listening to Pushing It, where we talk about all things pregnancy, birth, and life with a new baby. Because if you can't laugh without peeing yourself, well, you might as well laugh at yourself while doing it. Why not? I'm Elisa McAllister. And I'm Jen Laird. How's it going, Jen? I am well. Are you? Really well. You've been holding babies, that's why. I have been holding babies. Although, they've been pooping babies. I've been holding farting, burping, pooping babies, which could sound gross, but they're really cute, like little babies, and poop at that stage is like, yeah, whatever, and they make the cutest little faces when um, they're trying to get out a fart or a poop. You know why? They're so cute. Why? Because they do not give a damn about what you think. When they are pooping and farting in your arms. Oh, true. We are conditioned, right? As adults, as children, we condition our kids, right? Like who wants a six-year-old sitting at your dining room table just making a big old burp, right? Oh, I should work on that with my kids. Okay, work on that at least. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, making a big old fart and then being like, ha ha, everybody, I just Looking farted. Looking all proud of themselves. Right? Oh, yeah, we should so work on that. Work on that too, at least. Um, but in general, right, our culture is not like thinking it's so cute and it's a little bit, you Especially know. when you're like our age. Like we are not sitting in our office not with the our best. clients farting and then we're like, oh, I'm so proud of that. And I feel good. I feel so much better, Right. And hey, pregnant people out there listening, you're so constipated typically all through pregnancy when you finally can poop. Oh, yeah. Don't you feel so proud of yourself so, and so good? There might be an you announcement. Actually, right? <laughs> don't you actually want to really smile and show so the world how proud and how happy you feel about pooping? So very true. Right? Like There are times where I feel like phoning a friend and being like, hey, friend. Do you want to know about my amazing poo? Yeah. Right? But you can't do that anymore. It's very true. But when you're a baby, you can so do that. Yep. 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 And, I mean, they just feel better, right? They feel better after they've let out that gas or that poop. And now they got some room for some more food. And in general, they're just not feeling so swollen in their cute little bellies. So we had this baby in the other day who was um, making these cute little faces. And she was even kind of smiling. And then you'd hear this loud sound for this tiny oh, little person. so loud. <laughs> she made me seem quiet. Yeah. So it reminded us of like, hey. When we hear all these people, you know, um, apologizing in the middle of labor for like belching or farting or burping or whatever it might be. Or just moving their bodies naked and not thinking about people caring about them just at all in labor. different. Right. Yeah. Right. They're They're in their hind brain. They've got their endorphins flowing. They're being like the newborns that are like, "I'm, I'm going with my body's doing and I am not leaning into culture where I should feel apologetic for, you know. So when you're in labor, you are like a pooping baby. (laughs) Okay, not quite. Circling back. Uh, Similar, but different. Same, same, but different. you're in labor, you're using your hind brain. There we go. And you're not caught up in what is appropriate in this morning, or in this morning, in this moment. Um, You're not caught up in that. 
Right. You're not thinking about what are these people thinking about me? Or at least we're hoping that's true for you. Yep. Um, we're hoping that you are so in your body just doing what you need to do to get that baby out of your body. Right. Just like that baby is caught up in the moment thinking, how do I get this poop out of my body? <laughs> they're definitely in their hindbrain. Yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that is all they're doing right there. We have to develop that front brain so that, uh, you know, six years old, they're not burping and farting at the table a little bit less appropriately than should, maybe. <laughs> We're going to work on that some more. <laughs> As my kid, like, hand, my nine-year-old hands me her disgusting retainer and her four, my nine-year-old, my six-year-old, I don't even know how old my kids are. Whatever they are. Just farts out loud. I mean, she does say, excuse me. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, the, the of, whole bodily control thing is not yet developed. One but. of my daughter's best friends, this is what the guy just love about her, and she will remain nameless, is it um, <laughs> for years, like, she's... Uh-oh. Hi, Mr. Waffles. Mr. Waffles, keep it down. Um, one thing I like about her, though, is that she is a little bit of a burper, and so she'll burp, and then she just goes, excuse me. She's kind of like the newborn baby, though, who's like, yeah, I did that, whatever, no big deal. But she does use the excuse me. But it, it, it's a sweet, like, oh, that's just you. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, so today... <laughs> After we've moved on from the subject of burping and farting in newborns and folks in labor, let's get physical. Let's talk about it. Today we're talking about active labor and getting that baby out. <laughs> Just like those babies are getting those farts out. Uh-huh. Let's get your baby out. Yep. Yeah. So we have another episode about early labor and all about what to do in early labor and talked about how to know when it changes into active. So that episode was called Netflix and Chill, um, which has lots of meanings. So we want you to chill out. We want you to pretend it's not happening. We want you to sleep. We want you to eat. We want you to get distracted. And we even want you to go back and listen to it. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and we are not going to go over all the things that we talked about for early labor, but we're going to move right on towards active labor. So um, there are some things in life um, like the beeping in the of background the coffee pot. here that is turning <laughs> off. Um, there are some things in life that um, don't have a f- clear, like, uh, going from one thing to another, right? It's more of a variability. It's more like, a, well, I'm just kind of going towards that thing, right? It's not a stop and a start. So uh, labor is one of those things in life where it doesn't have a definite ending, and now this starts. It's more of a transitional um I like the word transition. Oh, I'm not saying transition. That's right, because totally there's different. actually a stage in labor called transition. Exactly. So don't get it mixed up with transition because you're not in transition. Nope, nope, nope. But I'm. it's one of those transitional times where sometimes even you're still in early labor, even though contractions are, yes, getting closer together, but maybe they're not lasting for very long, right? And so we want to kind of marinate and see how um, things are going. But um, we're not going to talk a lot on this episode about how to know exactly exactly if you are or aren't in active labor. We're going to talk about more about things to do in active labor and what to anticipate during this stage of labor. Absolutely. But here's a quick little, like, you're in active labor. The powers that be in labor um, have come up with a little fancy way of knowing-ish. The labor powers? The labor powers. Who are you talking about? Well, not the about? labor powers like your uterus, but the labor powers that be, like, 
Oh, doctors, midwives, childbirth educators, those of us who all, doulas who talk about birth. Yep. We've all decided to give it some numbers and to give some like ideas that we can all agree upon. True. To say, hey, this might be a way that you know that you're in active labor. And so we've kind of agreed that we would call it the 411 or the 311. Or the 511. Oh, I hate the 511. I know you do, but we got to throw it in do there. Do you like the 511, Jen? It doesn't matter what I like. It's out there. Okay. So somewhere along the lines, everyone's decided somewhere between three and five minutes apart. Yep. So your contractions are three and five minutes apart, lasting a full minute long and going on like this for a full hour. That might be when your labor is now active. Okay. Quick word about that one minute <laughs> yes. long. We're talking... I know that something is <laughs> happening in my uterine muscle for one minute. And everybody else around you also can tell. They can observe that. We're not talking <laughs> to like, I'm pretty sure something is getting different. Oh, wait. Nope. That was just gas. Nope. Just nope, kidding. Nope. Oh, oh, uh, oh. Is it? Nope. No. Okay. Hold on. Yes. Start the clock now. Yeah. Yes. Hey, Don't. Jen. Jen. Is that one done? Is it done? Should I, should I push the stop on the timer? How about now? Is it done? Is it uh, done? I'm not sure yet. Hold on a minute. That's not a full an minute. active labor contraction. Okay. Oh, we should have totally acted this out. We should have, but that's okay. They get the general gist. I think so. So what we're, so. what we're talking about is a full minute of you potentially, let's say, rocking back and forth, not wanting Making anybody. Making a sound like... Oh, yep. not wanting anybody to talk around you to stop that conversation you might have been having and go into this concentrated mode. Yes. Okay. For a full minute. That's when we're talking 411, 511, or 311. Um, <laughs> I probably should have done that in a different order. Okay. Let's start that again. 511, 411, or 311. Um, <laughs> that one, that one minute of contracting needs to be more of a, I know this is happening, not, I kind of sort of think this is happening. Yeah. Okay? The ones are super important. It also has to stay that way for an hour. An hour. Like it can't just be that way and then not. Like you right. can't just call it that. Because it happened like that three times. Exactly. Yeah. It's got to be that way for a bit. And here's why, Elise. Well, I know you know why, but I'm just saying, (laughs) here's why, Elise. Here's why, listener, is because unlike chickens, human babies do not tend to just fall out. Oh, I love it. You like that? Yeah, because they're not eggs, right? True. That's the way chickens work, though, right? Do we know this? Uh, We're pretty sure that when hens... Oh, right. Hens, right? Yeah, hens. Hens lay eggs. They just kind of go bok, bok. They squat, and an egg falls out into their sweet little straw bed. I like that they got the squatting going on. They're probably better squat than I am. Yeah. I'd have to work really hard for a long time to squat. Here's the difference between you and that chicken. They do squats more than I do? (laughs) Uh, Probably, yes. And they're more efficient at birthing. Yes, And thirdly, I'm thinking there's some bones in our pelvis Mm. that a baby has to navigate through and that it's not necessarily a quick process and it takes some effort from both baby being in an optimal position as well as the force of the uterine muscles helping that baby come down. So you are not a chicken. You are not a chicken. And babies don't tend to fall out. Now, if anyone's a chicken farmer here listening out there, Listeners, all Please three of you. Please correct and us. And we are wrong about our chickens. 
or our heads actually, um, you let us know and we're happy to correct it. But I will tell you right now, hens aside, babies don't fall out. Yes. Thank you for clarifying that, Elise. I appreciate that. So the point of what we're saying is that, yes, there's a lot of variability because we're all human beings. And if you've listened to our podcast enough, you will hear us say that over and over again, is that yes, there is variabilities in labor because you are human having a baby. And that means that there is going to be variation. There is not rules around this. The sun is something that rises and sets every day, and that is a universal rule. Your body, not so much. A lot of variations there. But we can pretty confidently say here that babies do not tend to fall out um, unless maybe you've had a few before. Those sometimes fall out a little bit faster. Yeah. If I was going to put my money on lengths of labor... Ooh, are I you would, a billionaire? Like I was a... Well, <laughs> if I was a betting woman, I would be betting on labor going a little on the longer side. Like yeah. a plus or minus on the 24-hour side. Yep. Right? Yep. Not on the plus or minus under six hours side. Yeah. Oh, Man, I can't even remember the last time I saw a birth under six hours. For a first-time yeah. parent who starts contracting baby in their arms six hours later, oh, it's like you're an outlier. You're like way out there in the outliers' fields of wahoo for you, but like you're I not can't normal. even wave to you. You're so far out there in yeah. the outliers' yeah. field. Yeah. I'm waving right now, and you can't even see me. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So okay. with, of course, with questions, you're going to check in with your provider. But in general, here's what we want you to get from this. 311, 411, or 511. That is a general, um, not a rule. I don't like that word rule. What is that word? I'm looking guideline. Thank you. That is a general guideline. I know I just thank myself for remembering something here. That is a general guideline that your provider is going to give you and say, hey, when you are contracting in the five, four, or three, one, one pattern. (laughs) Blast off. Um, I want you to let me know, and here's what's going to happen, okay? Typically, that is what providers communicate. So um, that means that you are contracting for a whole minute or more, and that that pattern has been going on for one hour, okay? And even then, depending on what your provider says, they may or may not want to either, A, join you at your place of birth, meaning your home, or have you come to your place of birth, whether that's a freestanding birth center or a hospital. So check with your provider, but um, yeah, that's what we're talking about when we talk about this. So congratulations, you are now in active labor. Yes, and but it's not just about the numbers, right? Let's, let's make this clear. Okay. Like, there's so much more to this, too. Let's talk about this. Okay. A shift has to happen. Right? This is mm. not just, oh, the numbers match up. Like, yeah, you have to be true. focusing inward. Things are going to get serious. You might be making some of these sounds. You're probably resting in between your contractions. Things, like, things are getting real. Very right? true. The people around you, the person around you might be like, whoa, what just happened? Mm-hmm. Before you might be like, oh, oh, this is strong. Oh, and then you come out of your contraction and you're like, oh, I just noticed the light bulb is out in the kitchen. We should maybe pick up some light bulbs when we go to Target next week. Oh, I've got another one starting because some time passed by. Oh, oh. 
And then that contraction ends and you're like, hey, let's go for a walk. And now you're having strong contractions and you're putting your head down in between them and nobody's funny. True. Suddenly those jokes that were hilarious and distracting, not so much. Mm, You might even be telling people to shut up. Like in those words and you might not even be the person who says shut up. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So if comedy acts are your game plan for distraction through your whole labor, Mm -hmm. I really encourage you to come up with other forms of distraction or (laughs) other plans for labor. True story. Um, Yeah. Because Elise and I will hear sometimes people say, (laughs) um, so we make each other laugh a lot. We like to be sarcastic. We're pretty funny. That's how we get through life. We're like, awesome. And so they'll say things like, yep, so we're just going to, our plan is we're going to keep each other laughing the whole time. labor. Exactly. Sometimes we say, uh, maybe not. Um, and other times we just blissfully smile and say, okay, great, sounds good. But it's interesting to observe those folks at labor because usually the birthing person will at some point go, not funny anymore, be quiet, to or their partner. Shut up. So um, just A, know that that might happen along the way. There's not a right or wrong way to do this, but just know that um, your brain goes from thinking about what that person is saying and um, maybe wanting to laugh or, you know, go in that direction of what they... It's like a great form of distraction. Exactly. To now, you don't actually want distraction because your body needs to focus now on something different. So distraction is not the way to go. Now It's actually distracting you from focus. Exactly. So when we do talk about distraction during um, active labor, what we're talking about is that your brain now has something to distract itself from discomfort and replace it with rhythm and ritual. So when we talk about that, we're talking about um, going from, oh man, this this part of my body really hurts, ouch, ouch, and into, okay, I'm going to move my hips back and forth. I'm going to sway because now my brain path goes from ouch, ouch, over into how do I move myself back sway, and forth. Sway, sway. Exactly. So I actually practice this sort of um, mindfulness in um, a lot of areas of my life. There have been times, even recently, what did I do recently? Oh, I smacked myself in the face with a vacuum. That was really, really fun. How did you manage that? It's Although got the, I actually, like, we just got we, matching vacuums. Yeah. That's uh, how okay. we roll. I could totally see how you see? can do it. Thank you very much. So um, it's this got episode that, should be sponsored by Dyson. Right. Oh. <laughs> it's it's got the little accordion-y thing, whatever. Yeah. And it's I a was really tricky. It extension. is. Maybe you should give me some lessons on our vacuum <laughs> because I don't ever want to replicate that injury in my life. Um, so anyway, uh, we could just stop talking about my vacuum, but basically I smacked myself and of course it was surprising because it just, it's, it's on like a, what do you call that? Like a slinky thing where it just, boop, it comes back to you. It's like elastic. It's terrible. And it just happened to squarely bonk me on my nose. And we know that any injury on your face, especially your nose, right? Eyes water. And you're just like stunned. Like, oh my goodness. And my first thought was, oh no. Oh no, I really, really hurt myself. I bet there's going to be lots of blood. And so I start walking around and I'm holding my face, my nose. I think pressure is going to help this, right? So um, this whole long story really to tell you that I actually do practice some of that distraction-y sort of things. In that time period, 
I did a couple of things. I moved my body. I started walking. I'm walking it off. There's something true about saying this, walking it off, right? Secondly, I put pressure on it because that made me feel a bit more secure. Like just in case my nose is going to fall off, it won't go on the floor. Um, (laughs) Just in case I'm bleeding profusely, I will like catch it. And then maybe I know I should do something immediately because of the amount of blood I'm losing. Um, So... uh, Maybe well, Dyson doesn't want to sponsor it now. Maybe not. <laughs> but I will tell you, I got a very clean little uh, drawer of where I was vacuumed out of until I smacked myself in the face with the thing. So that's what we're talking about. Of I needed to concentrate on how I could feel less discomfort and try to um, deal with what I was experiencing, right? So... Um, when you're in labor, think of me and smacking my face with a vacuum. And <laughs> you're going to think about how do or just for fun. How do I distract myself in this process as well? So um, I think there's a big buzzword out there of like comfort measures Ugh. in labor. We are not against comfort la- measures in labor, but there can be so much talk about how are you going to stay comfortable in labor? What are go- some good positions that are going to feel comfortable? And we could actually, by reading and hearing all this stuff about comfort, get the idea that we should be curled up on our side in a bed feeling comfortable during labor. I like that there's, well, uh, and, and I'm actually being very sarcastic when I say I like, but I like that there's this idea out there that anyone's ever like, I'm comfortable in labor. Like, mm. I've never heard anybody be like, I'm so cozy. Yeah. But I, whenever I hear the term comfort measures, I get this image in my mind of somebody laying on this bed yep. with a white gauzy gown. Here's me oh. and my damn gauze. Right? You and your gauze. Can it not be linen? It can never be linen. It's always gauze. Gauze. It's okay. always gauze. I have, you have to say it, gauze. Okay. Gauze. Gauze. There they are in their gauzy gown. <laughs> and there there are always candles all around. Oh, all right? the candles. Yep. But she's not doing anything. She's This comfort. person is never using gravity. She's yep. never working her body and she's never opening up her pelvis. She's uh, just laying there on her side. I mean, you know, so... She's not on her back, but she's laying on her side, resting, and uh, she's she's comfortable. She's that sounds lovely. Not in labor, right? Yeah, I like that gauzy gown. Yeah, I'll take the candles. Yeah, I'm sure they're lovely. Sure. Not going to happen in labor. So, okay, let's define this. We are not anti-comfort measures. What we're trying to help you understand is that there are different positions that you might use for comfort. To be more comfortable than you were before. Right. But unlike uh, early labor, active labor is a little bit more about moving your body, right? That's why it's called active labor. And we say, let's get physical. Right. Yes. So we're moving out of the bed. We're moving off the couch where we've probably been watching some Netflix and chilling. And (laughs) we're going to start to move our body a little bit more for two reasons. A, we want to help this baby come down and out. And B, we want our brain to be distracted by some movement, which can help take the um, focus off of discomfort and put it into another place, just like smacking my face with the vacuum and holding my nose, right? So wait, I feel like this is a record scratch moment. Uh Uh-oh. Wait, that's not a record scratch. That sounds like a car car stopping really fast. 
Okay, whatever. Uh, we, nope, that's a right. We, yeah. we never hit the nope. The right. Okay. You want this baby to come down and out I in do. labor. I do. Why are we doing movement for that? Let's talk about this. Oh, please. Movement to get a baby out, down and out. It's not just about using gravity. There's so much more than that. Oh. Babies don't need to just move down. Ah. Babies need to get into a good position. So ah. we often talk to our clients about, hey, let's, you know, t- we got to work on baby's position when you're in labor. That's really important. And we often get the response, well, I know this baby is head down. That is awesome. We want babies to be head down. That is a good good starting point. <laughs> but there's so much more than that. Babies yeah. have to get into the right position to navigate the pelvis so that they can actually move down and come out. So it's not just about gravity. Mm. So if you imagine, babies are kind of like keys in a keyhole. I'm, I'm picturing old-fashioned, really cute, decorative Keys. <laughs> totally. It, babies can be any kind of key that you want, Jen. But they're cuter when they're like the big old-fashioned key. It's true. Because then somehow that lock feels different than And babies the don't modern really one. like that. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. So it's not just about gravity. It's not just about standing upright. But also on that same, uh, on the other side of that, it's not just about doing squats. I feel like long ago I used to believe that you just had to do squats through labor and that was the way to do it. And I don't know about you, but I could do like four squats and then I'm out. Uh, I don't do squats in my everyday life. I try to do them in the gym, but I'm not like, I I don't like work in the field and do squats or, you know, ever do squats. Actually, Elise, can we go back to that keyhole thing again? Yeah. So what, what I'm hearing you say, and I, actually know what you're saying, but (laughs) I want to clarify this. What I hear you saying is that, um, babies getting into, um, optimal positioning in a pelvis is not just uh, like, sweet, you're like a cork, you're a head down in there. Great. Boom. You just kind of come out. It's more like a key where you put the key in and then you have to turn the key, right? And a key has mechanisms in it that it has to get through specific little spots, right? Absolutely. And then the door is opened and you can, you know, get through the door or whatever, right? So a baby similar to that would be almost like that key being needed to be turned. Or yeah, you're there, the key's in it, but now you got to do some movement, which is actually turning. Because, um... I also don't want to invoke fear in people that babies come out in a multitude of different positions, right? Right. And that the optimal position would tend to give us a more efficient birth. If we see a baby who's got their head, and we won't go into too many specifics here because there's lots of big words that we could use here, but we're just going to kind of give a summary of that. If we have a baby in a specific position, which their head is just pointing a little bit to the side where we would like it to be pushed a little bit to the other side or their chin is not fully tucked down, it actually takes the the mom longer with those labor contractions, um, that uterine muscle working hard to help push the baby into that different position. So typically when we're looking at a baby not being in an optimal position, we're looking at a labor potentially being a little bit longer. 
and that as um, people who go to births, um, we all know that we can put a mom into a gazillion different positions that we know can encourage a baby to turn their body. But even sometimes those positions don't actually make it all work and the baby get encouraged to turn into the optimal position and then labor speeds along. Right. So, I mean, it certainly increases your chances the more positions you do. And I like to think of it kind of like a board game. Like baby has to move along these steps or these spots on the board game yep. to get to the next place in those, you know, seven right. movements that the baby has to do, like the key in the keyhole. So in order to get to the next spot, baby has to hit that next place in the board game. Does yep. that make sense? If you imagine like, I yep. don't know, shoots and ladders or candy land, like baby has to get to the, to the gumdrop village or whatever it is to get to the yeah. next place. I yeah. don't know. Maybe that's yeah. a little stretch, yeah. but baby's got to get there to get to the next place. And so the more that you can move your body, the the better chances you have of getting baby into the next right. position. We talking CrossFit here? <laughs> Definitely not. Now, there are movements that do exhaust people for sure. Um, squatting could be one of them, but I love a good side lunge. I love lunges on the stairs. Oh man, I love some lunges on the stairs, but this is not CrossFit lunges on the stairs. This is two steps apart, drop down. Jen looks at my stairs. <laughs> oh, this is this is so hilarious. You're reading my mind because yeah. we're actually filming filming recording recording that that's the word we're recording in elisa's house today and i'm looking at her beautiful she's got kind of these cute farmhousey sort of stairs that not are not the house i gave birth in though nope um i'm just totally imagining putting um someone's you know having them put their leg on like the second or maybe in her case the third step depends on how long the person's legs oh, are yeah. right um to the side and during a contraction leaning into that leg that's up on the second or third step yeah and back and forth and back and forth leaning into that so that could be just as effective or even more so effective than someone doing a squat oh for sure and far less exhausting absolutely but boy would that really open up your pelvis yep and use some gravity to bring baby down yeah it would probably feel pretty intense but I think that's a really good sign. Yeah. You're not going to do it forever. Nope. You're going to do a couple sets of those stairs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I will tell you that I almost punched somebody in labor Uh-oh. when they told me to do this. Yeah. Um, there's my truth on that because I was like, you got to be kidding me. And I always think of that moment when oh, we're friends now. Um, <laughs> after, now. We remained friends after that. <laughs> we were friends then. We, we remained friends. We became better friends after that. Um, shout out to that person, um, uh, because of that. Oh, but it is hard. And I always think of that moment whenever I have somebody do squats yeah. or lunges on the stairs, but it really, really helps. And I had a yeah. baby after that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's really, really helpful because you can imagine how much that opens up the pelvis getting yeah. into that position. Yeah. So another frequent position that you might um, get into would be actually going in and sitting on your toilet. Oh, yeah. Speaking of those poopy babies, we're going to talk about it. We're going full circle. We are. You know what? We can't talk about labor without talking about poop. There's just no way. Yeah, but in my scenario, there's no poop coming out of you. There's no poop sitting on the toilet. Although sometimes people do actually feel like they need to poop in active labor. And I'm like, this is kind of a great one. Or the baby's really kind of pushing on their bladder, too. I'm like, this is such a great one because then you can just be in there and feel like you just need to 
like you can do this and feel comfortable. Totally. If you're a little bit more modest though, you can keep your bottoms on. Totally. Or your, yeah, Yeah. you can keep covered up. But I really like the toilet because you can really do some crowd control here. Bathrooms are generally pretty small. Oh. Whether you're at home, the hospital, or a birth center, you can go in the bathroom, shut the door, turn off the lights, and bring a couple of candles, whether that's flameless candles or real candles, shut the door and decide how many people you feel like cramming into that bathroom Mm -hmm. or not cramming into that bathroom with you and sitting in there. Why do you love the bathroom, Dad? So I'm thinking of in the bathroom having a pillow Mm -hmm. um, either on your back or on your front. So imagine you're sitting um, on the toilet in your typical way you sit on a toilet, right? (laughs) Um, (laughs) Oh, so creative. (laughs) Yes. So you put a pillow um, on your back so that you can lean back either during a contraction or after a contraction, depending on the best way that feels good for you sitting on that toilet. So it's about opening up that pelvis. So secondly, you could turn around and get onto the toilet essentially backwards. So then you're putting your pillow on the back of the toilet or the wall, depending if you're in, for instance, a hospital, they don't tend to have the tank behind them, but that's okay. There's the wall. You put a couple of pillows back there and then you're able to lean forward just a little bit onto those pillows and relax between contractions or even just have something to put your head on. So the whole point of sitting on the toilet here is that we're opening our pelvis in a nice position. Now, often um, I'll hear people say, okay, I can't feel my legs. It's been 20 minutes and I've been sitting on this toilet. Awesome. Great. Let's get you up. Let's get you doing another position. And then we can always come back to the toilet later. Again, it's that nice place for having an open pelvis. It also, for some folks who feel like their baby is really low, um, when they're sitting, they can't find a, a comfortable sitting position because, for lack of a better word, it sort of feels like you're sitting on your baby head. It's right. uncomfortable, There's right? nothing like sitting and feeling like you have a baby head right there. And yes. even though it's not even right there. Even though you there, don't. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that's why we're encouraging, go sit on the toilet. It's going to give that, um, that room, right, where you're not going to feel like you're sitting on the toilet really excellent going back to that keyhole idea of that's a great place to turn that key just a little bit to get baby again into a more optimal position and further um, labor. Now let's talk about sitting on that toilet and it quote unquote being comfortable. Oh. So how many times Elise have you been with somebody in labor (laughs) they sit on the toilet and things get even more real where they're like oh my goodness contractions are coming faster or this hurts more or this is really difficult well this is why we don't call it a comfort measure this is a measure to help you get a baby down and out yeah and that's the difference this is not one of those positions that it's about comfort right Um, which is where it comes in really handy to have a doula because if a partner said Hey, babe, I think you should go sit on the toilet because it's going to help your baby, this baby come down and out. Um, and I know that you want a nice, you know, you, you want this birth to be efficient. And the goal here is to bring this baby down and out. You might throat punch the love of your life. Yeah. Um, and that's not cool for oxytocin, no. right? No. Let's not do that. Let's not. No throat punching in labor. No. Let me, let me tell you, I speak from experience. I mean, I didn't throat punch, but, you know. You wanted almost. to. It was close. It was close. Yeah. Um, but if your doula looks in your eyes and says, I know this is really intense, and I know you have what it takes, let's try this. Yeah. You might look at your doula and say, under your breath, you might think, I hate you. And? 
you're here because I trust you. Yep. And I know you're here to help me get my baby out. So I'm let's do it. Let's add a comfort measure into this position. Ooh, let's do it. The comfort measure might be someone um, doing a back rub. So a long, gentle stroke. I'm imagining from the nape of your neck down to kind of your bum crack, essentially. And uh, just a long, slow, gentle, or firm pressure back and forth during that contraction. It might be also that your hips are feeling a little bit sore, and so you want somebody to do a little hip squeeze back there. Could be someone even rubbing your shoulders. That would be the comfort measure part of the position that we're encouraging. Because not every position during active labor, especially, is actually about making you comfortable. No. It's also about helping your baby efficiently come down and out. And at the same time, that little bit of where could that message be get um, where could that message get sent to my brain of a I'm okay and oh that feels kind of nice. That's why I'm talking about that slow gentle rub. Is that your brain gets confused and goes oh that feels nice, but oh boy my uterus is working hard here. Woo. So we're trying to counterbalance those two things so that there are more endorphins. There is a feeling of safety. If it feels good to have someone close by, your brain also goes, oh, someone's near me and touching me and I'm okay. I'm not alone in this. I'm being seen. There is presence with me, right? Yes. Or if that's not your vibe either, that's totally cool. Maybe there's somebody just standing nearby, not touching you, whispering some gentle affirming words like, you got this nice job, keep that breath, things of that nature, okay? And I realize that we're touching on like slow, gentle rubbing and these words and all these hormones, which we are going to circle back to big time. And this is a two-part episode. So stay tuned for next week when we cover more of the how to be comfortable and how to work with your hormones to help get this baby out. This week is going to be all about what you need to do to get this baby out. And we're going to circle back to a lot of these too. So definitely bring these two episodes in together to bring this baby out. Yeah. Yes. Um, So that's such a great point. Um, Some of our other favorite positions, I think, for getting this baby out, well, mine personally, I think, is anything involving a ball. Mm. I think that you got to have a ball. Have a ball in labor. Oh, that is so cliche. Oh, that's a little too cliche even for you. I feel like you. I should smile and there's a little ding coming from my teeth or something. Have a ball in labor. Have a ball in okay, labor. Okay, so um, I'm imagining, Elise, when you're saying a ball, you're thinking about a big, bouncy-ish ball. What do we call these balls? They're like... Well, if you would like to pay a lot of money for them, they're called birth balls. But if you want to pay a little bit of money for them, they're called exercise balls. There we go. Um, most places that you're going to have a baby will have them for free, provided for you. You don't get to take them home, well, but they're available. Actually, I'm going to take that back. Some places that you're you are going to have a baby will have them available. Check um, when you tour that place. Yep. Ask your provider. Um, you may need to have one. And if you're having a baby at home, you're going to need to provide one for yourself. But definitely find out if it's going to be there. We will put some on our resource page on our website. 
but they're available on Amazon for about 12 bucks with yeah. a pump. So you don't need a very fancy ball, but you do need one that's the right size. So when you sit yep. on it, your knees need to be at a 90 degree angle and you need to be able to sit on it without being tippy-toed or you're going to have legs that fall asleep. In other words, if you're six foot, you're going six feet tall, you're going to have a different size ball than someone who's five feet two, right? Because, right? um, and, and usually that involves um, pumping it up or decreasing the well, air. Well, there's different sizes too. There's small, medium, and large. Yeah, true. So you're going to get the right size and then you're going to inflate or deflate to the correct size exactly. Some people even um, like sit on these balls at work, like they're oh, ergonomic. Yeah. Is that the right word? Um, they just make you feel better. Um, They're good for your back. And, yes, thank you. And um, I see a lot of folks using them as um, postpartum, like mm. a little bouncy, holding oh, the baby, bouncing the baby. baby to sleep on that thing forever. Ooh, ooh, can I tell a quick story? Yeah. Can we all laugh at Jen for just one second? Uh-oh. So here I am with the baby doing some postpartum work, bouncing baby who's, oh, poor little guy. He was, he was a bit um, unhappy in life. Um, he's just one of those guys. And bouncing, bouncing, trying to get him to sleep and uh, big noise. And suddenly I'm actually sitting on the floor instead of the bouncy <gasps> Did ball. Did you pop the ball? <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that hilarious? Oh. I was not even vigorously bouncing. I was just tiny, like, little bounces, rocking baby back and forth, little I'm bounces. I was going to say there must have been a leak. <laughs> and then um, the baby, of course, I did not drop this baby by any means. Like, of nothing, not. nothing happened here except for me making this probably fairly loud surprise oof <laughs> sound, right? <laughs> As your butt hits the ground and you're like, Oh, <laughs> and the baby's stirring almost to sleep and is like, uh, why just stop bouncing? I was so embarrassed. And, uh, later on I did find out that ball was like 12 years old. So I was <gasps> like, phew. Okay, good. It wasn't me. It was the ball. <laughs> oh my goodness. Anyway. That's amazing. There you so go. There's a ball story. Do not pop. No, nope. 12 year old ball. Maybe you should get it replaced. I don't know. Put some duct tape around that bad boy. <laughs> right? Oh, we, we abused our ball for so long. And it lasts for years, right? Oh, yeah. Both okay, kids good. and forever. That's yeah. why there's warning labels on stuff, right? Yes. And through, like, childbirth education classes that okay. I taught. There so, we go. So find out if you need a ball. Get a ball. Um, there are great things that you can do with them in labor. You can sit on it and do some hip circles. That yep. is a great way to really open up your pelvis. You yep. can do hands and knees and lean up against that ball. Mm-hmm. And you can put it on top of a bed and lean forward on it. Yeah. What are your favorite ways to you to have a ball in labor, Jen? Well, I think <laughs> to have a ball in labor, <laughs> to use the ball in labor. Um, I think all of those things that you've just mentioned really um, work. And um, let's remember, too, that... Um, the ball might work for a while and then not work for a while and then work again for a while. So uh. it's like a lot of these positions where um, it might have worked now, but then it's not going to work in a couple of hours. So we do do a bit of rotating onto different positions. Now, along with this thought too, Elise, um, this is not a circuit. Like some of the ways that we've been talking, it kind of sounds like we're doing a workout where there's circuit training, right? Um, <laughs> no, it's not a This circuit. is not about circuit training, but this is about changing different positions. Yeah. So oftentimes we'll hear people say something like, oh, no, no, I hate this position. This isn't working. Well, 
can you, my friend, try it for a couple of contractions? Because here's oh. what happens is our brain goes, uh-oh, different. I don't like this. Oh, no. How's this going to work? Oh, no, 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 no. And our brain tells our body, no, switch. This doesn't work. Versus giving it a couple contractions to allow your brain to catch up with your body. Okay. Mm -hmm. They got to get back in sync. And maybe those endorphins go shooting through the roof in this new position because it actually is way, way better. And the first one, two, sometimes even three contractions in any new position sucks. Yeah. Right? Nobody likes them. It takes a moment for yeah. your body to catch up. Yeah. And I always warn people like, yeah. okay, you're going to try something new and it's going to be really rough here. Let's, yeah. let's give it a moment and then yeah. you might love it again. Yeah. And you're so right because there are times when somebody will try hip circles on the ball at one stage of labor and then they will go back. Then they'll say, no, 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 I can't do that again. I hated that earlier. Right. And I'll say, actually, your baby's probably in a new position. You might love it now. And it turns out that they do. Yeah. Or maybe they hate it again. Yeah. Um, also, just because you hate it and it feels intense doesn't mean it's a bad idea. And so, oh, Elise has such a good point because I think in our everyday life, right, our body is something we need to tune into. So when we think about... Um, if I've got a headache, which I'm starting to develop one here myself, right now my tummy is not rumbling, okay? I'm not feeling hungry, but I'm thinking back to, oh wait, I did have that breakfast sandwich at 10 a.m. and it is quite a number of hours past that. Um, We took a little break and Elise had some soup. Um, So now (laughs) my body isn't actually telling me it's hungry, but my brain goes, wait, Jen, you haven't eaten in a while and you're probably actually hungry and you've had two cups of coffee. So that's why you got a headache, right? So I'm not immediately going into there is a big problem with my body, but rather I'm logically kind of going what's going on here. In labor, we have to train our brain to go, what is the difference between a a pain signal that I really need to pay attention to because this is out of the bounds of normal and what could be a pattern of what labor entails, right? Mm. And that that discomfort is different than in our everyday life when um, I have a big pain. I have, I don't know, stubbed my toe and I have a huge pain or I smack myself in the face with a vacuum. My brain is telling me, you just injured yourself, take care of yourself, do something. Versus in labor, when we have um, this type of pain, we have to figure out which... Yes, I'm using that word pain or discomfort yep. because our bodies are working really hard during labor and yet this pain or discomfort isn't one where we need to make change or panic or get care or whatever it might be. And again, I'm referring to the bounds of normal discomfort during labor. There, yeah, we're not it's gonna, not suffering. It's not suffering, right? And so how do we help our brains go into that pathway of I'm okay, I can handle this. I'm going to take that deep breath. I'm going to have somebody touch me. I'm going to get into a different position. All of those things, rather than going into the panic mode, which we know does not help both with endorphins as well as helping our labor progress. 
Okay. Yes. Little side note there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think there's just so few times in our life where we have pain that we lean into. Exactly. We're not supposed to. Our bodies tells right. us, my headache right now is my body's way of saying, Jen, you should probably eat some food. Right. If I put my hand on a hot stove right now, yeah. I'm not going to be like, the more I lean into it and breathe into this hot stove, the better my pain is going to get. No. Exactly. Take your hand off the hot stove or it's going to burn. Right. That is not a good idea. Do not keep your hand on the hot stove. Take it off. So labor is exactly the opposite. You got to move through that pain to get to the other side. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So yeah. that takes a little retraining of your brain, and yeah. it usually happens during the process. Yeah. I, I think that it's helpful that we are um, talking about this, that you go to a class, that you're listening to things like our podcast that's helping you understand and even practice some of these ideas um, so that you don't go into adrenaline panic mode during labor. Um, but also, I want you to know that regardless of how much intention and practice you put into some of these thought processes that it actually does come down to doing it Mm -hmm. right of actually being in labor and practicing the practice oh so true it sounds like it was supposed to be deep and meaningful. <laughs> it totally was. I'm there with but you. But it kind of was, right? It was. Like you I gotta can make be in a, it. I can make a joke about that, but that's actually kind of how it is, right? Yeah, you got to be like in it. It's like being um, worried about becoming, am I going to be a good enough parent? Am I going to do the, all of this right? Oh, no, what if the baby cries? Well, you can educate yourself, but then you actually just have to do it right? You got to get to know your baby. You got to figure out what is going to be comforting to your baby. Um, and you, you got to just practice it and yep. do it. Right. And then so. I think we talk a lot about this with clients. They want to prepare for the pain of labor and you can't really anticipate what it's going to yeah. feel like because there's no such thing in life, like the pain that you Absolutely. feel in labor or the intensity of contractions. And Again, we're just going to use the word pain because it's intense. It's super intense. There's nothing that feels like a contraction. And And even having kids, we still can't explain what a contraction feels like. Right. It's super intense. It's hard. And you can totally do it. You can do it. It's doable. We've all, we've done it. We're sitting here. Jen and I have both done it five times between the two of us. And we've lived to tell about it. And we're also going to go back to you can do it your way. Yep. Right? Absolutely. You do it with the choices that you make along the way in what feels best to you. We yes. make the best choices with the information we have at the time. Copyright, Penny Simkin. And what we say by that is, is that in this moment, this is the choice I'm making, right? Whether that means that you need some help. Um, from some pain medication, you need some help from um, your your partner, your doula, your mom, your midwife, your doctor, your whoever to say, you got this. I yep. believe in you. Now let's do a different position. You get to do it your way. Yes. Whatever that looks like. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. On that note... Thanks for listening. Tune in next week. We're going to keep going on this because active labor is big. And it we is. And we got a whole lot more to say about it. Elise and I got a lot to say about a lot of things. <laughs> but especially active labor. 
Because that's the point of this whole thing, right? And we want to help you get your baby out. Yeah. So uh, that's it for part one of active labor. Let's get this baby out. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Pushing It Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, send us your emails at Jen and Elise at pushingitpodcast.com. Share us with your friends because, hey, that's how people find out about us. And we want them to find out about us. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next week.